You're listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. Glad to have you aboard. I am Jake Dungan, Editor-in-Chief for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to a special off-season slash holiday-themed edition of the Smoke Signals Podcast, our first off-season episode of the uh, winter, and we've got a lot to discuss. First of all, happy uh, belated Thanksgiving to all of you. Hope you all enjoyed your holiday and uh, are ready to get going into the Christmas season. Uh, joining me tonight to discuss uh, all the Tribe uh, headlines and uh, trade rumors and buzz is uh, uh, IBI contributor Justin Lotta. Justin, how are you, how you doing? How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was good. It was too short of a break back to the regular 9 to 5 this week, but it's good to get back and talk some baseball. It'll break up the uh, hol- or in-between holiday seasons, I guess. Yeah, we are uh, ready to uh, talk some baseball here. Uh, the winter meetings are coming up. They're only a couple weeks away. And, True, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll have uh, probably a lot of trade rumors. A lot of trade rumors happening already. The hot stove season is in full swing, and we have a lot of uh, stuff going on with the Tribe. Uh, they've made a couple deals, not uh, blockbuster-type deals, but some uh, interesting uh, acquisitions. Uh, we got some uh, rumors flying around uh, the uh, hot stove mill uh, regarding some Indians, key Indians, uh, major league players that uh, we'll be discussing, as well as uh, get some updates on what's going on with the uh, current free agents uh, who formally donned an Indians uniform in 2018. And uh, we'll also get to some other minor notes uh, that have taken place since then. Just get you all caught up and give you our two cents and all of it. Uh, so what do you say, Justin? Let's get things started by talking about the uh, deal that the Indians made with the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, just a couple weeks ago when they sent their uh, utility infielder, Eric Gonzalez, along with uh, minor league right-handers, uh, uh, Tanaj Thomas and Dante Mendoza, two uh, minor league pitchers who were down in the Arizona League. Uh, they sent them packing to Pittsburgh, and they acquired two uh, former uh, Pirates prospects, well, current pri- Pirates prospects, depending on uh, who you talk to, and guys who have made some major league experience now under their belts. Uh, outfielder Jordan Luplo and infielder Max Moroff. Uh, two guys who I'm pretty familiar with, haven't seen them play in the Eastern League with the Altoona Curve in years past against the Akron Rubber Ducks, so familiar with them and seeing them play. Uh, but uh, uh, three players for two, you know, you got the major leaguer in Eric Gonzalez. He fills the void pretty much left by Josh Harrison uh, for the Pirates. And then Tanaj Thomas, who was uh, sneaking into some top prospect rankings for the Indians and is already in the top prospect rankings uh, early on for the Pirates. And then Dante Mendoza, another interesting uh, pitcher uh, from recent draft stock. Uh, what's your what, what's your immediate thoughts on this uh, deal here, Justin? Well, Lupo's had some good numbers in the minors uh, as an outfielder. Double-A uh, and triple-A, he's gotten a little more power in the last few years, and he's got a good track record against left-handers, so at the very least, looks like he has the potential to be the next Brandon Geyer. So the Indians needed that, and he's got a little more club control. He's cheaper than Geyer, and uh, looks like they think he can play all three outfield spots, which, of course, they need. So they didn't really have anybody like Luplo in the minors that's anywhere close, at least. So that part of the deal was, was good, and uh, you know, I think it makes sense to maximize whatever you can get back for Gonzalez because it was pretty obvious. When you have players like Lindor and Ramirez, you're not going to get in a player like Gonzalez all that often because you're just not going to want to give up the at-bats that Lindor and Ramirez can give you on a day-to-day basis just for a little bit of rest. I mean, even though they probably should, but Gonzalez wasn't good enough to take those at-bats away. I don't know if Moroff's any better, but you know, at least he's a switch hitter who can fill in Gonzalez's role while you were able to 
at a major league outfield next year. And uh, I, I don't know much about Mendoza from the Indian side of it, other than that he's a big guy and they think he has a chance to add some velocity because he's got a pretty big frame. And then Tanaj Thomas, it, it might be the best player in that trade. If, if things work out the way Pittsburgh wants it to, looks like Thomas will be the best player in that trade because he could be – I think I saw someone at Fangraphs compare him to – at least the body type, Tristan McKenzie, in the same arm, kind of arm angle, and he's got a good fastball and uh, gets good playing on it and sh- uh, shows some feel for two above-average secondary pitches, which is good because he was an infielder not only two years ago, I think, so he's just a recent convert to pitching. So it's a really interesting deal for both sides, and it should help the Indians this year for sure and the next few years. Who knows? We'll see about Pittsburgh. Yeah, and uh, the Indians clearly with this deal are signaling that they are in the still in the win now mode. They're trying to uh, supplement this major league roster as it stands now to try to continue to contend for a World Series. And you know, by while well, uh, you know Leplo and Moroff aren't the household names that you want to see added to a roster and guys who can make a big difference, they're they're good role players, solid role players. Both of them, what I like about both of them is that they can get on base at healthy clips. You know, in the minor leagues, uh, as I pull up their minor league stats now, you know, they average, both average, uh, very healthy on-base numbers. You know, looking at Luffalo right now, who I'm most intrigued by, you know, he's got a career, uh, he's got a career uh, 368 on-base percentage. He's got a little bit of power. He's he was a minor league player of the year for the Pirates back in 2017 when he uh, belted 23 homers, drove in 56 over 117 games, and posted a 302, 381, 527 uh, slash line. Moroff, on the other hand, uh, while he doesn't have the same kind of power numbers that uh, Lupo does, he is the kind of guy who can play multiple positions. He offers versatility, but he also, uh, in contrast to Gonzalez, while Gonzalez did have some uh, upside at the plate with power and being able to hit for average, Moroff can get on base better. His uh, on-base numbers uh, are at 356 in the minor leagues. He's got a 252, 356, 381 uh, slash line. So, you know, he's not going to hit for the same average or the same power as a guy like Gonzalez does or have that kind of upside, but I do like a guy who can get on base potentially coming off the bench and still offer that versatility. And also, Moroff is not uh, the kind of defensive defensive specialist that uh, Gonzalez is. He's not as slick a fielder, but uh, I still say that anybody who offers that versatility and can get on base and offer some decent upside, a reasonable upside at the plate, I think that's uh, somebody who can fill a good role for the Tribe on their bench. And then, uh, Luffalo, my expectations are a little bit higher um, because I think that he could possibly turn to something with his on-base and power numbers combined, but that's all uh, contingent on if he can translate both those things to the major leagues, which remains to be seen. So until now, yeah, the the uh, reasonable expectation is for him to be like a Brandon Geyer type who can play all three outfield positions and come off the bench in some capacity, but I'm holding out a little bit of hope in the back of my mind that maybe he can turn to something more, because I know that he's been regarded somewhat highly in the Pirates organization the last several years as a prospect, and uh, we'll see uh, how things turn out with him. But uh, Eric Gonzalez, uh, wish him the best of luck. Uh, great guy I got to talk to and interact with uh, in his time in the minors. Um, and, you know, I don't know much about Tanaj Thomas other than what he, has been reported on him. He's still in the Arizona League and still has a long way to go to the major, so the Indians... As far as their current uh, World Series hopes, uh, what they gave up was pretty inconsequential, but we'll see how Thomas develops down the road and see what Mendoza has in store. But other than that, yeah, I don't know much about him, uh, much more than him than you do, other than you know he was a, a, mid, a mid to high ra- level draft pick a few years ago, and uh, yeah, he's got a big frame on him, so we'll see. But uh, your thoughts on uh, Luplo and Moroff uh, in terms of the... Uh, uh, stats and uh, numbers I just brought up. Yeah, I mean, the on-base thing is definitely really good, for sure. I mean, I, th- I think both of them are going to be able to to add something to the team this year. 
Uh, like I said, they definitely needed someone to replace Geyer's role anyway. Um, I don't know. As long as they can, and, and if they can find guys that are can fit on this roster or complement the rest of the roster, you know that's going to help them. I, like I said, I really don't really know much about Moroff. I know he's he had some interesting double A numbers, but any anybody can come in and draw a walk. I guess is going to help because they've got to maximize the twenty five man roster. Like you said, Gonzalez is a guy that never really showed a whole lot of plate discipline. He had, I mean. He was a decent hitter overall. He had a little bit of pop, but he was not a guy who was patient enough to play every day. I think that that's – I mean, his glove was more than good enough to play every day. Everybody knew that. But his offense, just because he couldn't draw a walk, is why he wasn't playable on a day-to-day basis. And maybe maybe Moroff is a little better than that for that. Maybe I, I don't know if he's just as good of a defender as Gonzalez. I, I, I find it hard to believe he's as good a defender as Gonzalez because – we know Gonzalez was a great defender, especially at shortstop. But, you know, if yeah, if he can fill in for Lindor or Ramirez, uh, getting them some needed time off, and like you said, if getting on base is the biggest thing. If Eric Gonzalez could have got on base, he could be a starter somewhere. They might have gotten more for him in a trade, and <clears throat> he might have played more here. So hopefully Moroff can do that, and I agree with you about Luffalo. A lot more patience. He had a lot – pretty good numbers in the minors for that, and, and he added power – that he showed in the last couple of years uh, should really help him too. So I like I just like the deal from the fact that they're trying to obviously the outfield needed a ridiculous amount of upgrades because it was barren after Brantley left. Um, but as long as they're maximizing the 25 man roster with guys that are going to help them, whether it's off the bench or, or in a platoon role, that's what they have to do if they're not going to spend money. So I think you're right. Both of these guys help them from that respect. And I think that's a, a key phrase to remember for a lot of Tribe fans this offseason because I think that – and I brought this up in terms of the – talking about the starting pitching trade rumors, which we'll get to in a second here. But I wanted to spend a little time talking about the maximize that, – that key phrase of maximizing the uh, roster because I think that in this climate of – in state of the American League right now, we're looking at – you know, not just a couple teams at the top of their game at uh, and contending for the American League pennant. We're talking about, you know, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Astros, and even teams like the Rays and the A's, who although they're not as complete as the, the, the other division contenders, they're still pretty good uh, teams and proved to be so uh, throughout the course of the season. I mean, heck, the, the Rays won only one... We're only one game behind the Indians in the overall league standings and didn't uh, make the playoffs. So uh, you got to keep them uh, in in the mix as well. But as far as like just the Yankees, Red Sox, and Astros, you're looking at three other teams who have really complete rosters. The Astros, I think, have the, the most complete roster. I think the Red Sox might be next and, and then followed by the Yankees. Anyway, I, I think any way you dice it, the all three of those teams are more complete as far as maximizing their rosters uh, than the Indians are right now. And that's simply because, you know, the, the way their bullpen fell apart, the holes that they have in their lineup, you know, they have really good starting pitching, but uh, they have some holes to address and they need to maximize their roster. So while they these moves seem small, I think it's a, a step in the right direction as far as uh, accomplishing that goal. And uh, even for guys coming off the bench, you never know where a, a key pinch hit or a key defensive replacement or pinch run or whatever you're thinking of, uh, a key matchup out of the bullpen, you never know where those are gonna, those are going to come into play. So that's why uh, maximizing a roster is so important. I think is even more important now heading into uh, the next uh, couple seasons with all the teams I just mentioned still most likely being the top contenders and not changing much as far as their roster goes. I think the most important thing, too, about this trade is, like you said earlier, too, about trading guys that were only down at the Arizona level. I mean, Tanash Thomas could wind up being pretty good. He, Like I said, he looks like if, if, if he pans out, you know, continues to grow, he might be the best player in the trade, but so what's his timeline? I mean, what, he's 19 years old? If, if the Pirates are lucky, he'll be ready, and he just finished his first full year pitching in the Arizona League. So he's probably, what, a good four years away at least? And you can't project these things, but 
let's say he's four years away, I don't really know how that helps the Indians, especially considering the fact that if they don't, if they didn't add an outfielder this year, at least, you know, so especially right-handed, I mean, I, we can get into the outfield in, in a little bit, I'm sure, but we know, everybody knows, if you're listening, you know what the Indians outfield looks like. They, you know, they, they traded away a future, maybe a good pitcher, but if they didn't get outfield help in the next couple of years at this roster, they were in trouble. So I think even if, if, if Thomas does pan out, it's still a good trade for the fact that they needed to start trading away guys that could have helped in four or five years to get help in the next few. Because not not to say that not to say we know when their window is going to be closed, but clearly it's still open right now, and they needed a way to take advantage of it. Yeah, and that thinking back more and more on that ALDS matchup with the Astros, it just became so clear that. Uh, you know, the Astros just had so many different ways to beat you. You know, the Indians had a vaunted rotation that uh, were just was probably just as good as the Astros, at least statistically and and On probably paper. talent talent wise as well. But uh, when you those when you have two uh, very very strong forces like that matching up together and clashing, um, odds are they're probably going to cancel each other out. And that's where the other uh, strengths and the weaknesses of, of the two teams come into play. And I think that the Indians had more weaknesses than the Astros did, versus the Astros having more strengths, and they were thus they were able to take advantage of what weaknesses the Indians did have better than vice versa. And uh, so I think that that's why uh, maximizing this roster and finding ways to com- to fill every hole, no matter how small try to fill it as with as good a player as possible um, and in the most uh, while doing it in the most economical way possible and that's the uh, that's where the uh, challenge comes in but as we've seen with uh, Chris Antonetti and uh, Mike Chernoff in the past if anybody can sniff out a good deal and find a way to uh, uh, get max value for uh, minimum return uh, it's it's this front office so let's see what they uh, let's see what they can cook up but uh, I, that's yeah that's that, yeah, that, that 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 has to be the number one goal is is trying to fill all as many holes as possible. Maybe not necessarily going out and getting the biggest name out there and trying to go out and sign Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, but uh, you know maybe you can see about bringing in somebody a big name to try to uh, add to that lineup or add to that bullpen. But uh, you need to uh, fix all the little holes as well and and try to uh, remove as many weaknesses uh, and get them out of play as possible. So for the next time you match up with a team like the Astros or the Red Sox or Yankees, because those teams aren't going anywhere. They're going to, the Indians have likely have another uh, easy uh, division title coming to them in 2019. And uh, they're just going to run right into one of those three teams again. Yeah, it's not getting any easier. That's for sure. Yeah. So, uh, that brings us to the uh, rumors about the starting pitching being traded. I made a, I at first I was pretty uh, put off by the idea of trading one of Corey Kluber or Carlos Carrasco or even Trevor Bauer, um, but at the same time, um, as I started to think about it more and th- and thought about what I mentioned before with the the roster balance and everything, I think that. When you factor in that, the the payroll situation, the climate of the American League, the state of the American League uh, with the other playoff contenders, I I came to this uh, conclusion, digging through the numbers and looking at the uh, the salary figures and everything else, I don't see how the Indians can uh, really significantly improve without trading one of them. And... I did crunch some of the numbers, and I think that people, some people will be surprised to find out that without one of Corey Kluber or Carlos Carrasco in the rotation, the Indians would still rank top five in the American League as far as starting pitching war based on last year's uh, final numbers. So uh, take that in, into consideration. And uh, I think that, you you know, if you remove, what, what are the, $9 million or $15 million or whatever salary off the books that it gives you more room to operate and add some potentially add somebody uh with uh who can bring significant value to this to this roster so uh i di- i didn't like it at first i still don't like it because i don't like the idea of cory kluber or carlos carrasco or trevor bauer uh pitching for another team but uh at the same time i don't see how the indians can really improve their roster in a fashion that uh, 
makes them significantly better than they were last year without doing so. Maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a given they're going to trade a starter because if you look what – if you just look what Seattle got for James Paxson and, and in theory Kluber and Carrasco, those are the two guys most talked about. I guess we can include Bauer because – I guess that could always happen, but all three of those guys, at least, are better than Paxton. I'm just not convinced they're going to get the same return, they or the return they're looking for. I mean, I think you're right that they could not. There's no way they're going to be able to add to the Major League roster without trading someone away if they're not going to spend more. If they really say they're tapped out financially, then, you know, no, they're not. They, they can't even, if that's the case, they can't even trade prospects for major league players because that requires adding major league payroll if you're trading prospects for for major league players so that maybe that's out of the question too which is really alarming to be honest but that's a whole other conversation you know they they still have the best rotation in the division by far if they traded any one of their starters you know i think everybody realizes that and you can't go back in the next year with this roster they have right now i mean they have a they have a full forty man roster, but if you come back next year with the roster you have right now, if you can't trade anybody away, there's no chance they're going to win the ALDS again. I mean, I guess anything can happen, but there's a good, very good chance you're going to bring this roster into the next year, and you're going to wind up winning ninety games and win the division, and then get knocked out in the ALDS again. That's really not. I mean, yeah, you want to have a good regular season because it makes up the the big portion of your um, attendance, but the goal is not to win the division anymore, and it hasn't been. Uh, I just, I just don't know if they're going to get the return they need for Kluber or Carrasco because they can't just, you can't just trade those guys and off the salary and take a less, take a lesser return. And, and just because you need to off the salary, because those are your two two really highly valued players that you need to get full value for in return. I if they can't trade Kipnis or they can't trade Alonzo or they can't trade uh, Encarnacion, they're gonna have to trade a starter because those are the other three guys that they could maybe move and then add some payroll flexibility for. And of course, the other name that's been talked about is John Gomes, which I think has. I think Gomes has a lot of trade value, and just like you said, the starters. I still think Perez is good enough of a of a catcher to start every day with Haas as the backup. So I think Gomes' trade value is going to be really interesting to watch going into the winter meetings too. Yeah, I wanted to discuss that more in depth, but uh, I wanted to bring up some of the numbers from the uh, article I, I wrote. Uh, I went through and looked through at all the uh, positional value for the Indians by uh, Fangraphs War, and the rotation was first in Major League Baseball last year at 22.9 F4, but then you look at some of the other areas of the roster, the only other areas that rank higher than uh, 15th anywhere on the roster are third base and shortstop, which obviously are manned by Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor, two all-star and MVP-level talents. Um, other than that, you know, second base was 15th. That that was, and uh, I'm sorry, DH was 11th. So that was the highest. The that was the next highest ranking after third base and, and shortstop. So, uh, you know, Encarnacion still br- brings value there, and I guess Kipnis the the still brings value at second base, even though he's you know considered to be on the downside downslope of his uh, career by many already. So. Uh, you know some other numbers. The bullpen ranked 27th in in value last year with 0.4 F4, and uh, the outfield was at a 5.6 F4 and was 17th. But I think I have a feeling a lot of that was uh, thanks to uh, Michael Brantley. So I don't see how you know you need how you can go about with that same roster, which you know is very top heavy with rotation and. Uh, Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor pretty much uh, shouldering the load of value 
the in the burden of value as far as up their main means of production, which as we've seen in the last couple playoffs now that except for Lindor's uh, ALDS this year, uh, when the rotation and the uh, when starting pitching and uh, those two key players are not producing, this team is not going anywhere. And, you know, Andrew Miller, Cody Allen are gone. Andrew Miller wasn't who he once was. Cody Allen wasn't who he once was. The bullpen isn't the force it once was. So, you know, we can talk about this. In this Indians team going to the playoffs, getting an easy road to the playoffs again, which they will be. But uh, as you said, once they get to the ALDS and they run into one of those, likely one of the, one of those uh, three teams, it's uh, going to be a very quick exit. Like most likely, once again, I hate to say that, but just based on what we're looking at here, and you know, looking at the, I broke also broke down this. Uh, these stats and positional values uh, compared to the other five uh, main AL playoff contenders. And I'm sorry to say it, but other than those positions I mentioned, the Indians are not very high on no- on those lists either. You know, even the Rays and the A's rank higher than the Indians in some of those categories. So it's, it's not pretty, and it's something that they really need to address if they want to not only remain competitive in the American League playoff picture, but also uh, contend for a World Series. It's just something that has to happen, and it's the truth that the front office is going to have to face, and they're really going to have to get creative with these uh, payroll constraints. And unfortunately, as I see it right now, trading trading a starter or even trading Jan Gomes, as you mentioned, might be the only way to accomplish that. Yeah, I mean, the, the roster for sure is top-heavy, and like you said, that was the problem going into this year, too. And... It is going to be awfully tough to add to the major league team if they don't trade somebody uh, from the major league roster, like I said, especially if they cannot spend more money, which I think would be the ideal thing, to be honest, because they already have a good roster. If you're if you able to add by spending, it would help save some prospects, too, for the summer. I don't know, because what do you think? What do you think? Do they... If they can, if they can off, offload some of Kipnis's contract, what do you do with the savings? Because you're not going to get a whole lot in return. Same with Edwin and or Yonder. Any of, if you trade any of those guys, you're not getting much back. The most valuable players that's going to give them something in return is going to be Kluber, Carrasco, and Gomes, and and Bauer, I guess. I I really don't think they're going to trade Bauer to be honest. But like, like I said before, we can mention him because he might, I guess. But those are the three guys that probably have the most trade value outside of Lindor and Ramirez because obviously they're not going to trade them. So those are your three most valuable players to trade. And, and yeah, short of trading any of them, you're probably not going to be able to add anything. And like you said, if, if Lindor and Ramirez, Lindor and Ramirez cannot carry the team in the playoffs and Kluber struggled in the playoffs the last two years. Carrasco's been fine. He's only gotten two playoff starts in two years, so he can only do so much. And the bullpen's not going to be anything until they add to that either. So, yeah, they their their roster right now is good enough to win the division unless the Twins go out and make some real additions, which they did claim C.J. Crone today, but it's not like that's going to make them catch the Indians anytime soon. But the roster right now is good enough to win the division, I think. But there's no there, yeah, there's no chance without without making a major addition. By subtraction or, or you know, unfortunately moving a starter, they're not good enough to win a playoff series. They're just not. Even even by some shake of weird luck, I don't think they can win three out of five against the Astros, Red Sox, and Yankees. And <laughs> the playoff the playoff field's probably already set for next year. If everything goes like this, it's going to be the same teams and the, the same four teams. And maybe maybe Oakland doesn't repeat as the second wild card, but. You're you're gonna run into Boston, New York, or Houston the first round, no matter what next year. Somehow, it's, it seems to be in the cards. That's for sure. And uh, yeah, like I said, uh, if you want to go back and read this article, uh, it's it, I posted it right before Thanksgiving last week, uh, and it was about exploring the merits of the Indians trading Corey Kluber or Carlos Carrasco. Uh, I think I posted it on Wednesday last week. It's still up on the site. You can go back and look at that. Read through all the numbers that I brought up. I went through into some payroll figures as well. Uh, it's something I think is a is a pretty interesting read and uh, really uh, is an eye opener for what the Indian not only what the the um, 
situation and the scenario would be for trading one of those guys, but what the Indians' current situation is, and I think it's a little, a little bit of some sobering thoughts there and something to think about when they go into the uh, winter meetings and other negotiations uh, heading into the rest of the off season. Now, uh, you mentioned how uh, the James Paxton deal went down between the uh, Mariners and Yankees. The Yankees were out looking for starting pitching help. They brought back CeCe Sabathia for another year. And, you know, I think they... I think they were... Did they offload Sonny Gray? I can't remember. Or they were looking to offload Sonny Gray. And They claim they're close. Yeah. And... They they just need another big name in that rotation to really fill it out more. And, you know, Paxton was brought up uh, in talks, as well as Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco. Rumors were that they were pretty hot on Kluber and Carrasco for a little while up until the Paxton deal was made. And, of course, the big name that was brought up uh, most often uh, with that potential trade speculation was uh, Justice Sheffield, uh, whom the Indians drafted and traded away in the Andrew Miller deal. Clint Frazier has also been brought up, as well as guys like Miguel Andujar, uh, but after that pa- Paxton deal went down, uh, rumors came out uh, posthumously saying that uh, the Indians were not getting the return from the Yankees that they wanted in negotiations, and Justice Sheffield was supposed to be a big part of that deal if it was going to go down, but you know the Indians just weren't getting everything that they wanted. So uh, I know it's, it's kind of silly to talk about uh, – uh, trade ru- trades that didn't happen, but uh, what were your thoughts on those rumors when uh, the Yankees were looking to possibly acquire one of Kluber or Carrasco and they were maybe going to send a, uh, Justice Sheffield as part of the package with maybe some major league talent like a Miguel Andujar or somebody else? I mean, I guess they made some sense. It really stinks that in order to improve your team, you have to trade Kluber or Carrasco to a, a, an immediate uh, rival or contender in, in the playoffs because I mean think about that you're, you're just giving the Yankees a, a front line starter that really stinks considering you're still trying to compete with the playoffs to be one thing if you were rebuilding but you know the Indians are trying to win next year or the next two years whatever and you're giving away a player that could help you the next two years that stinks I think it would have been more ideal to if they have to do this it makes more sense to do it to a National League team or I guess a, a non, I don't know, a, a, not the Yankees anyway. The Red Sox don't need it, I guess. But it stinks to hear that. And I, but I do, I do think there was a match there. I mean, yeah, Andujar maybe, Sheffield. I, I think there had to be more though. That's the thing. Like, I don't think I think the Indians were right. If that was, if that was part of the package, and then they turned it down with with Sheffield being the headliner. They were right to not want to trade the Yankees, too, because I'm sorry. I mean, James Paxson's a talented pitcher, but he's always hurt. Well, I shouldn't say always hurt, but he's hurt a lot. And I don't think he's – doesn't obviously doesn't have the track record Kluber and Carrasco have, so they were right to turn that down. And I'm glad they did because, like I said before, you can't just – just because you need to open up maybe some payroll space, you can't just trade those guys for a lesser return than what they're worth. Just open up payroll space because you're doing your team a disservice. You're not getting the full value back from. That's why I don't think they're going to be able to trade one of those guys because you're not going to get back what you deserve for them. And especially trading, doing that with a team like the Yankees, it would make no sense either. But I thought there were enough players on the and the Yankees roster or in their upper level of the minor leagues that made a lot of sense for there to be a trade if they had to. Um, it just looks like they were never going to get the return they wanted, which, like I said, it's good they turned it down. All right, so we'll see how the how that all develops and if any other possible suitors come out of the woodwork because I know that the Yankees were the biggest one in the market as of right now, but you know, still the early parts of the offseason, the winter meetings haven't even happened yet, so I'm sure uh, if the word is definitely out, which it seems to be, that the Indians are looking, actually looking to shop uh, Kluber and Carrasco if they get the returns they want. I'm sure some teams will be looking to inquire, especially for a guy like Kluber, who is a perennial Cy Young contender, two under his belt already, and finished third again this year in the voting. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, another 
deal that went down this this week or recently though was uh another lesser name deal but uh somebody who by all accounts uh some people some other writers some other uh analysts uh some of our uh, cohorts here across the uh, blogosphere have already said that they're very much looking forward to seeing what this guy can bring to the table, and that is Shu Wei Hu, a, a right-handed reliever from Tampa Bay, whom the Indians acquired uh, just recently. And uh, I'm trying to remember who they pull up the trade details here. Gianti Turner was the guy they gave up. Oh yeah, Gianti Turner. That's right. So uh, yeah, the buzz on him is while his uh, numbers are not that great, you know, he's only got limited major league experience so far and he's only he's got a 3.52 ERA, which you know, isn't horrible. 23 innings, 21 strikeouts, um, a uh, a solid whip, uh, you know, again, minimum, minimum playing time and uh, sorry, I said uh, bled, bled through there. But anyway, uh, had a 4.15 ERA in 13 innings while racking up 12 strikeouts this year. Um, but the the uh, big thing on him, then people are talking about, it, he's got good velocity. And I think uh, our own John Alves wrote an interesting piece on why uh, who could be a. Uh... Oh, by the way, we can do a nice who's on first. Uh, uh, rend- <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, rendition here uh, if he makes makes it to the majors and makes any impact in Cleveland, so uh, uh, marketing department needs to take care of that. I'm sure Indians Twitter is already on top of that and has their has their tweet, tweet drafts already saved. But anyway, uh, yeah, um, reading through uh, John's piece right now, talking about how uh, who was recorded, uh, had a recorded velocity of 97 miles per hour at the 2016 Futures game. And he also had a, a solid changeup, which registered at 87.9 miles per hour. And so uh, he has—I guess he has a variety of different off. Excuse me, I guess he has a variety of different offerings. But the velocity is what in, is intriguing people the most, which is interesting because uh, he's a guy who, if you look at his numbers, nothing really stands out as far as uh, you know strikeouts or anything else. You know, in his career, he's got a strikeout rate of only 7.9 per nine innings. Um, he doesn't give up a lot of home runs at a little over half a home run per nine innings. And he doesn't walk a lot of batters either, Two and a half, 2.3 walks per nine innings. So, yeah, we'll see if the, if the velocity can turn into strikeouts and can turn into really dominant numbers. He's been solid so far, you know, a 3.15 career minor league ERA and career 1.17 WHIP. It's just a matter of whether or not uh, he's going to be uh, a solid reliever, like a middle uh, relief arm type, or if he's going to translate that velocity and and his other offerings into dominant back end bullpen type stuff. And I think that's what is intriguing some people right now. Yeah, I mean the velocity is really interesting. I, I really wonder what it's going to be like. Um... What, what role he's going to have? I mean, he started before, and the Indians maybe view him as a, a guy who can be their sixth starter and provide some Triple A depth, which they absolutely need. But I wonder how he'd fit as a reliever too, because I've seen reports where, like you said, he is hitting ninety six, ninety seven with the fastball and shorter stints. And just the video I saw on him uh, was looking at his changeup or his palm ball. It's whatever screwball he's got a weird combo pitch there and it looks like it's got some Danny Salazar like qualities we all you know you've seen how good Danny Salazar's changeup has been for him in his career when he can get ahead and throw it for strikes uh whose changeup looks like it's got some of that to it so that's a really good pitch for him so he could be a really valuable piece out of the bullpen with just those two pitches I mean they definitely need depth at starter because I don't know who else they have behind the, their current five, other than Plutko and, and maybe Cody Anderson, if he's ready to go this year finally, um, so they could use him. But I'd, I'd be interested to see him in a bullpen role because I'm, I'm with you. I, everybody else, I think he's a really 
intriguing arm. When you can throw 95 and you have a changeup like that, you can absolutely help out of the bullpen. Yeah, so uh, another uh, interesting flyer the Indians took, and uh, they've had success with those kind of guys in the past, and who knows who what could uh, happen with him. But, uh, again, if he doesn't pan out, then uh, no harm, no foul. You didn't give up too much for him. But it's uh, with it, for an Indian that's in – an Indians team that's in desperate need of bullpen help in the immediate future. Uh, yeah, you need to bring in as many of these guys as you can to try to see if they can fill roles. But you also need to try to see if you can get some more proven guys in there to back up Brad Hand. So, uh, yeah, that that's a conversation for another day. We can get into more detail. Um, I want to talk a little bit, give an update on the guys who are free agents right now. Michael Brantley, uh, Cody Allen, Andrew Miller, Josh Donaldson, uh, all those other guys. Um, there's not much to talk about, uh, on the whole, but there are a few guys who are creating some buzz and one who's even signed elsewhere. Uh, the first being, uh, Josh Donaldson, who, you know, in his limited time with Cleveland, uh, didn't have a memorable stint, but was productive and, you know, was a major, uh, waiver trade acquisition for the tribe. And, you know, he was productive down the stretch, didn't do much in the playoffs, but, you know, for a guy who was injured most of the year, you didn't expect much from him anyway. He has inked a deal with the Braves for one year, I think it was $23 million. So he will be uh, with them for the next year, probably just to try to reestablish his value and see if he can get another big payday uh, next off season. So he'll be joining the Braves, uh, supplementing their uh, young roster with some veteran talent. And... Then uh, you have rumors of Michael Brantley drawing interest from the Braves and uh, the, the Cardinals. Uh, and I think the Andrew Miller has drawn interest from the Mets and the Cardinals as well. So uh, some guys starting to draw some trade interest, but other than Donaldson, doesn't look like anybody's close to signing yet. Uh, as far as any of them coming back to the Indians, though, it doesn't appear likely at this point, it's particularly with guys like Allen Miller and Brantley. Uh, none, there's no active negotiations, at least none of them have been reported on, and there's been speculation that it doesn't seem likely that, uh, that any of those guys will be returning to the Indians next season, so, which is a shame, especially because they could use a guy like Brantley, and even guys like Miller and Allen at a discounted rate if they, if their market doesn't develop, like, it's expected, uh, you know, this bullpen could use all the help it could get, even if those guys aren't the pitchers they once wore, but... But uh, I definitely would like to see Brantley back, but it doesn't. Again, it doesn't look likely at this point, and he's his market's starting to heat up a little bit, as is uh, Andrew Miller's. And again, Josh Donaldson already signed. Uh, thoughts on the, the current free agent stock for the tribe? Uh, are there anybody, any guys you want to see back? And do you think that uh, there's a chance that they could come back? Any of them could. I'd like to see him. Yeah, any of the, any of the three that are, I guess there's more than three, but yeah, between Brantley, Allen, and Miller, I'd like to see him bring one of them back. Um, I obviously I think Brantley is the least likely because he's easily going to get a three-year deal from somebody, and then you know quite a bit of money. They're not going to be able to afford that unless they make some moves between now and whenever he's ready to sign, which probably won't be until after Bryce Harper signs, I'd imagine, because. Harper is the number one free agent in the market uh, as far as outfielders go. And I could I could see maybe Allen or Miller coming back on a one-year deal if, if either of their markets develop. But it already sounds like um, Miller's market is, is going to be pretty good. It looks like he's going to get a lot of suitors and he could get you know a multi-year deal rather than just a one-year pillow deal trying to prove it again. Uh, we haven't heard anything on Allen yet, so may- maybe that's where Allen ends up. Maybe Allen's market doesn't um, evolve the way he wanted it to, and maybe he comes back on a one-year deal. So I would I would probably say Allen's the most likely just for that reason because we haven't heard anything about him yet, and he did have a pretty bad year by his standards and the fact that he wasn't hurt. At least you know Miller's performance can be explained away by injury possibly. And we already keep hearing rumors about teams interested in him, and we haven't heard any from Allen. So I, I would be surprised if any of the three came back, to be honest. But if any of the three are going to come back, I think most likely it's probably Allen right now. Unless the Indians make a move. I, they, I mean, getting Brantley back would be huge because this outfield still is not 
in good shape, but and they could use any of the three because the bullpen's not in good shape either. But uh, I, if I had to bet, I'd say none are coming back. Yeah, I I would tend to agree just because um, I don't see how this at this point in the off season. Again, we don't know how the market's going to develop. It has uh, done some crazy things before, and you know we didn't see Edwin Encarnacion signing with the Tribe at one point uh, a few off seasons ago. So. Uh, yeah, we'll see how the market develops. We'll monitor all the rumors and keep you abreast on everything that's going on. Be sure to check out uh, the free agent profiles we've been posting on the site. Uh, Michael Moore has been doing great work for us, uh, putting those together uh, and diving into the numbers to see, try and see if he can predict using his own models what kind of uh, uh, contract each guy will command this offseason, what's the likelihood that the Indians could retain them. So uh, be sure to check those profiles out as as we post them. He, I think he's got two out, one on Brantley and one on Andrew Miller. So uh, he, more of those will be coming out uh, in the weeks to come, leading up to the wi- winter meetings. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep you all posted on that. Uh, last couple of things I want to talk about before we uh, – Adjourn here as one the uh, 40-man roster uh, protection. The Indians announced that they added a couple of players, minor leaguers, to their uh, uh, to their roster, 40-man, uh, to uh, keep them protected from the Rule Five draft, and they made the they made the additions of uh, Bobby Bradley, Sam Henkes, uh Giancarlos Mejia and uh, Walter Lockett to the roster. Uh, Lockett, of course, acquired recently in a trade with the Padres. But then Bobby Bradley, Henkes, and Giancarlos Mejia, uh, some bigger-name prospects, more so with Bradley and Henkes. But uh, Mejia, with his season this year, certainly made some uh, made some noise and uh, gets kind of a surprising addition to the roster. But... Uh, I guess, you know, with the timing of everything, with his minor league service time and er- all that, uh, he, his time was due, and they chose to uh, protect him over somebody like uh, Henry Martinez, who was in AAA and could be on the verge of helping the tribe, which some people were a little uh, miffed about that, that the Indians opted not to uh, roster him and expose him to the Rule 5 draft, especially with their need of bullpen help. What are your thoughts on, th- on uh, these uh, roster additions? Yeah, like you said, Mejia was definitely a surprise. I had actually initially overlooked the fact that he was um, Rule 5 eligible this year because, you know, he's just in low A. It wasn't like he was close. Usually you don't see guys that low um, protected on, on Rule 5, let alone be eligible. Um, so that I was really surprised by that, but only because I overlooked it. Uh, even if I did notice that he was eligible, I wasn't, I'm not sure I would have predicted that to begin with because... He is just so. He does seem so far away, at least from where he was last year. Um, but you know, he did have a good year. I saw him a lot of times this year. Luckily, um, you know, he had a really he had a really good year, and, and looks like he could be a guy who can help them relatively soon. I don't know how soon, but um, I, you know, they did they did protect Andy Salazar when he was in low A coming out or high A coming off of Tommy John. So you know, it isn't totally crazy they would do something like that um i do think it is a little bit odd they did not protect henry martinez because i think he is ready to help next year and i could see a team drafting him because he's close enough to be ready to help any major league team right now so they are going to risk losing him and and bullpen arms are usually the most commonly drafted in rule five as we all know and the most likely to stick on a roster and Martinez throws in the upper 90s, so they could always use that. But maybe they feel confident and he is uh, going to move along quickly. Maybe they turn him into a reliever. I know this was his first year back starting. So maybe they turn him back into a reliever after seeing what he did this year. But he was good as a starter, so I'm not sure why they would. Uh, the the Valley Bradley thing was pr- probably pretty obvious, and so was uh, Sam Hench's too, um, just because he's left-handed and had a pretty good year coming back from Tommy John and I don't think Bradley would have gotten taken, but you never know. I know everybody mentioned the Anthony Santander um, thing that happened, you know, when he got drafted and nobody thought he would, so maybe Bradley would. But Santander's at least an outfielder, first baseman could get taken even less. So, 
But there was no reason to leave him unprotected and risk that. But And then, you know, I don't really know much about, we don't know a whole lot about Lockett right now other than the fact that he got came from San Diego and has pretty pedestrian numbers, I guess. Yeah, uh, not not much to say there as far as uh, his numbers go. Uh, again, I'm, we can only speculate based on his his numbers. We don't know much about him uh, as far as scouting reports and anything like that yet. We'll probably look more into that uh, in you know, days and weeks to come and see if there's anything there. But not based on what I've seen, not a lot of people are uh, speaking too highly of him. So this is just a uh, either a wait and see move or just something to bring a guy into uh, spring training and see what he can bring, but uh, uh, we'll see about that. Uh, yeah, you bring – oh, man, you bring up the Anthony Santander thing. That still burns me a little bit. Uh, oh, they could Oh, they could use him, that's for sure. I know he hasn't done much with the Orioles yet, but, uh, boy, when he came back, you know, he had some injuries. He came back and was really tearing it up uh, in the Eastern League and then throughout the rest of the minor league season, and I – Really could uh, I just it just made me think, man, what what could he look like in that Indians outfield right now? Because uh, they could use some some kind of impact bat out there, that's for sure. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm no use crying over spilled milk at this point, but uh, I think that's something that the Indians wish they could have taken back at this point. So we'll see. But uh, other than that, uh, Justin, you have any uh, thoughts? Any more thoughts? Uh, anything you wanted to bring up before we uh, close up shop here? Well, not not that they're comparable, and the numbers aren't comparable, but the last time the Indians did trade for a pitcher nobody really knew much about from the Padres, it was Corey Kluber, so keep that in mind. Oh, this is true, and uh, who knows? But his, his mileage numbers were much better than Lockett's, but maybe they see something, you know? <laughs> who knows? Boy, if it works out, the, the Padres are never going to pick up the phone when the Indians are calling again. <laughs> <laughs> well, who, who knows who initiated that trade? If the Padres are the ones that initiated it, and then that ends up happening, wow. So, and even if he's not a Cy Young winner, if he's just a, a guy who winds up being like a third starter, like a, a really good middle rotation starter, I'm pretty sure the – yeah, you're right. The Padres are going to be like, we're not we're not dealing with Cleveland ever again. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you know what? We had a great show, great discussion, touched – a lot of ground here, and uh, we'll be sure to get back to you guys as uh, more news and uh, rumors develop. Uh, we'll see if there, we'll get to anything before the winter meetings. I'm sure a lot of news and happenings are going to uh, occur before between now and then. But even if they don't, uh, we will probably not see you again until the new year. But again, we'll do this on a uh, a new story and rumor basis. So any big deals that come down and any uh, major trade rumors that happen, you can be sure that we'll be back here on the airwaves to uh, bring you our thoughts on them. Uh, Justin, before we go, do you have anything you want to plug for the site or anything else? Uh, I did actually go back and, uh, well, pick up why. I I missed a couple guys on the Rule 5 uh, 40-man editions, but uh, I did go back and review um, their additions and, and try to give some merit to each one of them and figure out why. Uh, I do have, I did go a little bit more in depth on Gene Carlos Mejia um, in that recap because he is the least known out of all of the guys that were added. And I did add some video from 2018 in there. So you can go and check that out. That has some uh, pretty awful footage, I would say. I'm, I'm, my video editing skills are still uh, coming along. My editing platform I'm using is, is not the greatest, but um, there is some decent footage in there of Mejia from this year you can take a look at. Sounds good. Um, as for me, as I said before, check out that piece on uh, the exploring the merits of trading Corey Kluber or Carlos Carrasco. I know it's not a pleasant thought, but I think it's something that is worth discussing, and uh, it's going to reveal some uh, pretty... Uh, humbling uh, and sobering uh, reality for the Indians this offseason with their payroll constraints and, you know, their top-heavy roster and things that need to happen in order for them to remain competitive in this American League playoff field. So uh, check that out. Uh, I'm sure now as we head toward the holidays, things are going to slow down content-wise, but we'll certainly pick up before the winter meetings and as rumors develop. So be sure to check out all our writers. All our writers have been working hard. I know there's not much to talk about, but we've been able to come up with some uh, interesting uh, 
uh, content and things to discuss. Uh, so keep keep tabs on the site, uh, and we'll you know again we'll still have our daily around the farm recaps from winter ball and uh, then all, everything going on with the Indians, and I'm sure we'll ha- also have some uh, more uh, uh, coaches corner pieces and stuff that we from interviews we collected during the season to kind of get your minor league fixed during the off season as well. So uh, watch out for all that. Uh, as for us on social media, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jake D baseball. Justin's at JL underscore baseball. You can follow the uh, smoke signals account at smoke signals, IBI, and also be sure to follow the official IBI account at official underscore IBI. Uh, get all the links, all the uh, retweets, all the breaking news, everything you can find there. Um, IBI related and Indians news related. So uh, uh, great talk, Justin. Uh, glad to uh, touch base with you again and uh, talk some uh, talk some baseball as things start to get cold here and winter begins to set in. Oh, yeah. all I know we still got a little while to go before uh, uh, pitchers and catchers report, but. Uh, it's always good to talk some baseball and some uh, trade rumors, hot stove uh, discussion in the meantime. Yeah, hopefully something good happens over the winter meetings. We can uh, come back and have some good uh, things to talk about in a few weeks. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, hope hopefully that is the case. We we'll be back. Uh, maybe we even bring Corey Christian back as well. Uh, get a nice roundtable discussion. I know those were fun to do as we headed into the playoffs this year. Um, so uh, we'll we'll consider that as well. So watch out for that. Be sure to follow us on Twitter for all the updates on upcoming shows and when we'll be doing podcasts again and all of our other content as well. Uh, until next time, though, uh, for Justin Lada and the Smoke Signals podcast, I'm Jake Dung, and saying to all of you, Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoyed your holiday, and we hope you'll have a good one. And we'll see you next time. And we're back. Just <laughs> seconds after get going off the air here, we just found out per Ken Rosenthal that uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the same Pittsburgh Pirates the Indians uh, traded with a few weeks ago, have signed free agent Indians outfielder Lonnie Chisenhall to a one-year $2.75 million deal. So another free agent for the Indians off the books, and or off the boards, rather. And Pirates are adding... Adding more uh, uh, proven major league talent, trying to supplement what they have, and uh, thoughts on uh, Chisholm. I know that you know he's missed a lot of time with injury the last couple of years, but he's when he was healthy, he was productive. There's no uh, two ways about it. Yeah, that's a surprise. I, I mean that like you said, we just came back on to talk about it. I, I did not think he was going to get a major league deal. In all honesty, I thought the Indians had a really good chance to retain him. Um, on a minor league deal, I figured, let's see, what do you play this year? He played in a total of uh, 29 games this season, and he played in 82 last year. Now, he did have a 127 uh, weighted runs created plus last year and 129. So, like you said, when he's healthy, he's been a really productive offensive player. just hasn't been healthy the last two seasons. Um, so, I really didn't think he was going to have a major league deal there for him, other at least not one that was going to be out of the Indians' price range. Um, and and you'd like to believe what that two two point seven five million is not out of the Indians' price range for one year. So I don't think know. So, I, if it is, that's real bad. If it, if that's the case, then the Indians are really in trouble. Um, more than we even thought. So, I, this could be a huge loss because I think that I think that deal is something the Indians should and could have done because they need outfield help so bad and given how good he is when he's healthy, uh, that, that could be a big loss, especially the numbers he's put up the last two years. So it's not if great. He, yeah, not great if he plan. comes back healthy at all in, in any fashion, plays over at least more than like 82 games half the season, it's uh, or 81 games, it's probably n- not a good look for the Indians, but uh, – yeah, I'm looking at the uh, breakdown of the deal. Uh, he has some performance bonuses, 250k for each for each for 250 plate appearances, and three 300, 350, 400, 500k for. It just uh, it I guess it just escalates as the uh, 
plate appearances uh, add up. So, so there's some incentives in there, and uh, you would think that uh, I, I would think that if the Indians wanted to bring him back, it would be a, a for a similar kind of incentive laden contract. But I'm surprised that he. I am kind of surprised he got a major league deal. But at the same time, you know, for his productivity when he has been healthy, it, I'm also not at the same time. But also, I, I will say, though, that even if the Indians did bring him back and were able to retain him, I would still be a little wary of his uh, injury history now because these calves uh, are just not uh, – it, it's not something that's going to go away over time unless it's just a freakish thing that happened two years in a row. Um, this, this, these are easily injuries that can recur, and I've talked about this with our resident injury analyst, Brandon Bowers, about it. And he said that you know there's nothing really that can be done – you know, whether it involves surgical intervention or something like that. When the calves start to get hurt, all all you can do is just rehab them and just hope that they never get hurt again. Um, it's because it, there's not much that can be done. Sometimes it's just something that that happens, and it can it can recur, be a recurring problem. So uh, that that's worth taking into consideration as well. But even with that, uh, yeah, it's I think it's something that the Indians could have. Uh, could could have swung a deal to try to retain him, especially with all the outfield help that they do need. You know, somebody like uh, a platoon like uh, Chisholm, uh, Luplo in right field could have been could have happened this year. But uh, yeah, now they're stuck with uh, still another hole to fill in that outfield, and uh, um, one of their former players now uh, definitely not returning next year. Yeah, not great, not great. I mean. I, I just think from the financial last point of it is is really the the problem here is at that price I think the Indians probably should have retained them but who knows I mean we don't we can't say for sure they were they're tapped out they they can't afford two point five million but you'd like to think that they would be able to I don't know I, I they need outfield help so bad it's hard to believe that they couldn't bring someone back that could help them from their own team. But like you said, I mean, the calf injuries are not good, and, and maybe they just feel like he's never going to recover and the Pirates are taking a big risk. We'll see. But as of right now, I think it's a real big – it could be a big loss if he's healthy. All right. Well, um, we do wish Chisholm all the best in the with the Pirates and – uh you know, how would you classify his tenure with the Tribe? Because, you know, he came up, he was a high draft pick, uh, came up with high expectations, didn't quite live up to them at first, wasn't a great defensive third baseman, moved to the outfield, kind of reinvented himself, and uh, that with that move, the production kind of went up, and he became more consistent at the plate, and uh, really became a productive player for the tribe. So overall, based on his, you know, his draft expectations and minor league expectations, and then how his career kind of developed, uh, how would you uh, classify as, as Indians tenure? Uh, I would say overall, probably underwhelming. Like, he, like you said, he was a first round pick. Uh, his best season by Fangraphs war was 1.6 in 2014. Uh, year he had a 117 weighted runs created plus and only 13 home runs in 142 games. So probably underwhelming just for the fact where he was picked, but you know, he was a really good platoon player for the last several years and a homegrown guy. So, and you know, had some positional versatility, be able to play the outfield and some third base and, and a little bit of first base last year when he was hurt. But, yeah, definitely, probably overall underwhelming after the fact. All right, well, we wish him all the, wish him all the best, all the same, and uh, we'll see uh, how that pans out for Pittsburgh and whether or not the Indians are going to end up regretting the steal. But uh, in the meantime, though, uh, for the second time tonight, we would want to say thank you again for joining us. Happy belated Thanksgiving, and we will be back with you uh, when hopefully either – either later tonight or later this offseason when more of these uh, rumors and deals go down. So, uh, again, though, uh, follow us on Twitter. Check out all the stuff we mentioned before as far as plugs go. And uh, until next time, for uh, Justin Lott and the Smoke Signals podcast and our little addendum here, uh, I'm Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one.
For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.